Welcome to Wisdom from the Mountain, a podcast about intuition, spirituality, and following your path. I'm your host, Tara Alexandria. I'm a psychic medium, intuitive guide, and healer. I'm here to support you to live from your intuition and find true healing and authentic growth. Thank you for being here and for your willingness to live your best life for yourself and for the world around you. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to Wisdom from the Mountain. I'm Tara, your host. Today, we're talking about meditation. In episode one of this podcast, I talk about how meditation is what really took me more deeply into myself and into my life and was really the origin of my work. It was what allowed me to bring my work forward in this world and to really just be more myself. If you caught my episode last week with Portia Benoit, she mentioned something about meditation and it really stuck with me because I think it's something that I often forget. I forget to explain certain points. And I did create a little mini course that's available on my website about this topic. What I want to talk about today is the importance of sitting through it when you feel like you aren't meditating. So Portia said to us last week, so many people in her practice say, I just can't quiet my mind. I can't meditate. And we were noting that the point isn't to quiet your mind necessarily. It isn't necessarily to get to the point where you're not experiencing any thoughts. And too often, you give up your practice. You give up any attempts to meditate because you think, I'm thinking too much. I'm not actually meditating. I can't do this. So many people set the intention to hold a meditation practice. Often at the beginning of the year or on their birthday, they say, you know, I'm finally going to start meditating. I'm finally going to sit down every day just for 10 minutes and consistently come to this practice. And then within five days, 10 days, they've abandoned the practice altogether. This is totally normal and perfectly fine, but it's not fine if you want to develop a meditation practice. I fully believe that everyone can enter this state of meditation, that everyone can find a style of meditation that suits them and that everyone can deeply shift themselves, their life, their mindset through this work. So let's talk about why the mind won't be quiet and what you're actually supposed to be expecting during a meditation anyway. So the mind is something that is meant to run, the brain, okay? So we were born with a brain for a reason. Our brain is meant to keep us out of danger, to help us navigate life. And as humans, we have gone very far beyond animals in that we can use our mind for intellectual thought. We can use our mind to create, to create art, to create connections that were not there previously. And this is what we do. Our mind just runs all the time. The problem with the mind running all of the time is that, first of all, we tend to, as humans, to focus on negative things. So what we often do is we lament over the past or we project ourselves into the future and we imagine and create scenarios that have never even happened. 
it's very important to understand that a lot of the time that you are spending in your life, you're actually wasting through thoughts that have no helpful point in life to either get you out of a situation or move you around or through a situation because from just a daily general state of thinking, you really can't move through your problems. Many of you will remember that you've experienced something where you actually solve a problem right when you wake up. The night's rest that you had previously has helped you to rest your mind. And then when you are resurfacing from sleep and passing through brainwaves called alpha waves, you are in this creative state where your mind can make connections that it didn't previously. And the alpha state is a creative state. So it's what you're in when you are creating something, when you're painting, when you're making music. It's also what you're in at the end of the day when you have been in beta brainwaves all day long, you've been doing your job, you've been functioning in the world, and then you're tired and you go home and you're cooking or eating or hanging out with people or watching TV and your brain goes into this calmer, sweeter drive. But in meditation, what you are actually able to do is you're able to process your thoughts more quickly. You're able to give yourself the time and space to be with your thoughts fully so that they're not just running in the background of your mind all day long and kind of just taking up unnecessary energy. The reason that everyone always thinks that you're supposed to clear your mind is because what you want to do when your mind begins to race over a problem in meditation is that you want to come back to your anchor. So the anchor is most commonly the breath. In meditation, they often say, just focus on the breath. There's much more to it than that. But if you can imagine for a moment that your mind is racing about a problem with your family right now, and you just keep thinking about the scenarios to fix it and the ways that you could approach it and the conversations you could have with this person and that person to make things better, and you just bring your attention to a cup in front of you that has water in it. And you think about the coolness of that water. You think about what it will be like to take a sip of that water. You think about what it feels like to hold that cup in your hands. You have already quieted your mind just a bit from that racing because you're focusing on something. You are bringing something forward in your consciousness And you are allowing the brain to hold on to it. You are creating a space for yourself, an anchor for yourself, for those other thoughts to slow down. And you are catching yourself from spiraling. So this is the monkey mind, right? We've all heard of the monkey mind and how it just jumps around like crazy and it's very hard to get a handle on. Even those who meditate, still deal with this. It's not like you develop a meditation practice and suddenly you're the most serene and peaceful and at peace being that there is in the world. However, you are getting closer. But putting all of that aside, I want to go back to this idea that you move away from your meditation practice the moment that you think, I'm not doing it right, or my mind is too loud, or 
I can't deal with these thoughts. The first thing to simply address is if you think that you're not doing it right. First of all, not doing something right is never a reason to quit anything. It's always important to find someone to teach you, to find some way to learn. And today, there are ways to learn things that have never been on this planet before. The other day, I was helping my little brother put something together, and we must have missed a step or something went wrong, and we just Googled it, and we found the answer in a moment. But we were working with this for probably half an hour and wondering why it wasn't working. And there was an answer right there. So all of the people that are out in the world right now teaching, we are here to help you through what we already know. And the people that are teaching have often already struggled through the pieces that took a long time where you're staring at that piece of furniture from Ikea and you're like, why is this piece J not fitting with piece F at this corner? What is wrong? We've been through those moments and so we know how to go around them. We know how to avoid them completely. And the information that's there is there in so many different forms that it's almost impossible not to find someone or something that can help you in your best personal way. So there are many different styles of meditation, and I'm sure that not just one is right for everyone. For a very long time, I thought that I couldn't do sitting meditation. So that's just sitting still whether that's in a chair or on a meditation pillow, I was convinced that that was a style that I was not capable of. Now, the reason that I thought I wasn't capable of it was because I had a lot of pain in my body. It was very hard for me to sit still. I felt much better if I moved. And so that's why Qigong became my primary and initial form of learning meditation and going deeply into that meditative state. But eventually... I was able to, first of all, nourish and nurture my body into a place where it had a lot less pain and I was able to sit still for longer periods. And when I say longer periods, I just mean 10 minutes. I also was able to find practices that worked for me, like moving. How many people would just think that meditation only means sitting still? How many people would realize that there are moving practices that are the exact same that get you into the same state. I wouldn't have thought that before I found Qigong, before I found Tai Chi, I would not have known that a med meditative state could be reached in that way, but it can. And I just needed to find the right teachers. Now that took a long time to find the right teachers, but once I did find them, it all simply came together. Everything became easier because the right practice for me showed up. And if you simply ask the universe, ask for guidance, ask your friends, ask Google for what it is that you need, that thing that you need will usually come forward. Okay, now I wanna talk about not being able to quiet the mind. So I already said, it's going to be very hard to quiet your mind when you first start a meditation practice. And I also said that the point truly is not to find silence in your mind. 
The point is very much to find a quiet time in your day, to find more silence in your life, more space. But really, the point of it is to help your mind, to help your brain, to help your spirit transcend the situations that you go through in your life, that are present in your life. So let's just imagine that you sit down to meditate and you immediately think, I need to get up and make this list for the grocery store. You know, I really needed to text this person and if I don't send them this message right now, I might forget. All of these thoughts that flood in are really just distractions. And it's my belief that your mind wants to distract you from sitting still, that it wants to distract you from facing certain things that show up in meditation. The reason for this is because it can be quite hard to witness your own mind. It can be quite difficult to witness yourself, to witness the thoughts you have, to witness the control that you try to have in this world, to witness the lack of control that you actually have. It can be very difficult to see yourself in truth. And if you sit still long enough, or if you do a moving meditation and you meditate long enough, you will get to this point where you start seeing things very clearly for what they are, whether that's in situations with other people or just within yourself, you will start to see things clearly. And sometimes it's not very pretty. It's not very exciting. Sometimes we have to see parts of ourselves that we don't want to see. Sometimes we have to really look at and unpack layers of our consciousness, of our subconscious that are really running our lives in a way that we don't actually want, that we aren't actually proud of, that isn't functioning from a very educated or evolved place. What is most exciting about the fact that you can't stop your mind from thinking is that every thought that you've never wanted to realize that you have will surface at some point during your practice. It's very important to witness them. And that's the primary reason why we're trying to find silence, why we're trying to find quiet. Because when we allow a thought to arise, and then we say, okay, I'm having this thought, this is crazy, my mind's overwhelmed, I don't want to do this anymore, we can label it and say, okay, I'm thinking about my ex-boyfriend, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, and now I'm going to come back to my breath. This is the anchor. The anchor drops and holds you still. It keeps you where you are. It lets you know that you are safe in the present. It lets you know that you have more control over your body and mind than you realize. It lets you know that when that wave of thought arises, you don't have to go under with that wave. You can ride through that wave, but the labeling of it doesn't tell it that it's wrong. It doesn't tell it that it needs to go away or else. It doesn't say, I shouldn't be thinking this. And you don't go into criticism when you do this. You simply acknowledge it. You say, okay, I'm thinking about my ex-boyfriend and now I'm coming back to my breath. And when you breathe into that next space, what actually happens is a very brief, maybe, or a very long moment of peace, of potentially silence. And 
Then when the next thought arises in whatever space of time it takes to arise, you come at that next thought with more calm, with more acceptance. Then you say, oh, now I'm thinking about that grocery list. Now I'm thinking about everything I have to do tomorrow. Now I'm thinking about everything I have to do for my family, for my relationship. And you simply label that next thought and you put it down. You allow your anchor to send you into stillness. So I hope that you can see, first of all, that you are not alone in that we all deal with our thoughts. Not a single one of us has gotten to the point where we just think nothing during an entire meditation session, whether it's a 10-minute meditation session or an hour-long meditation session or something I've never done before, an eight-hour meditation session. We all have that. And honestly, that's the beauty of it because you are literally exploring your mind. If you imagine that your mind is full of so many different stories inside of it, and you haven't read all of them, this is the opportunity to do so. This is the opportunity to allow every single story, every single feeling or thought or experience to come up and be told to you in a different way. Sometimes it will feel like reliving things, but other times it will feel like observing things or learning things. And these are the breakthroughs that come with meditation. This is where you're able to transcend the regular everyday ego mind and to take it into something else, to take it somewhere else. This, I believe, is where true personal healing comes from. This is where we're able to deeply transcend our past, to move through our relationships and our personal experiences in a much higher way than ever before. And if that is not congratulations enough for a practice that you choose to dedicate just a little bit of your life to every day, I don't know what will push you into further development. It is exciting. It is something that cultivates a more peaceful and enjoyable life. I've said it before, but we want to be content in this life. We want to be able to experience all emotions, but not just stay in one. And what I found for myself when I started a meditation practice was that we truly do have this natural state of contentedness and all of the other emotions are just blips on the radar, things to experience. And we should never be living a life so charged with one single emotion that we can never get away from it. For a lot of my life, I was very sad. For a lot of my life, I was very angry. And so much of that had to do with my physical body and personal healing that I needed, but I never would have known or been able to witness and deal with those things without my meditation practice. I would not have been able to transcend them and become a better person. And I would never have been able to transcend them and live a life that had a flow of emotions where I wasn't just always one thing. Finally, I just want to address not being able to sit with what comes up, with what arises within your practice. First, I'll say that I'm so proud of you if you are choosing to start a meditation practice and you feel scared of it. 
I'm proud of you if you're choosing to start a practice and you have a very noisy life with a lot of people in it that are difficult, that are angry, or that may even be abusive. I am proud of you because you are about to have upgrades that you cannot believe within yourself. And once they happen within you, they will come out of you. We change first on the inside and then we change on the outside. But all of that being said, I also want you to know that sometimes it is hard to look at what comes up. Sometimes it is very hard to witness our own anger, to witness our own jealousy, to witness our own shadowy, negative, difficult emotions and thoughts that we have about other people, about ourselves, about our life, about our past, about our family, about our partner. And sometimes it can be so overwhelming that we just want to leave. We want to get up and stop thinking about that. We don't want to look at it. We want to put it in a box and never look at it. But, but not looking at something doesn't mean that it's not there. It is so important to take that in. So some of you might be afraid to start a meditation practice because you're thinking, what might come up? I don't, I don't think I want that experience. This sounds intense. And that's fine. It is intense. Um, it's very intense for people who have lived lives with a lot of trauma. It's very difficult for people who have been abusive in some way themselves. It's very difficult for those that deal with things that have basically been put in a box for the greater part of their life and they've never thought to open it. But all of those patterns, all of those thoughts, all of those feelings, they still exist. Whether you are looking at them or not, they are still running your life on some level. There's still things that run you, that run your relationships, that really have way more power than they deserve. And when you start to get really uncomfortable with your practice or with yourself, what I have found to be the most important aspect, the most important thing is to simply sit still a little bit longer, to come back to the breath, to come back to whatever your anchor is, and then to give yourself total compassion total understanding and total forgiveness for thinking those thoughts. And one thing that I have to say about that is that that's a very difficult thing to do. And it's not something that you'll achieve the first time you think it. So sometimes you have to give yourself a little bit of kind of false positivity. And when I say this, it is not meant to be false positivity in that you are spiritually bypassing the jerk that you were five years ago you are still seeing that whatever you did was shitty. Whatever you did was not okay, right? But for so many of us that are good people, that can kill us. That can make us feel worthless. It can make us feel shame. It can make us go into a state where we say, I will never forgive myself. I will never forgive them. Or we can start telling ourselves new stories, right? We can go into new spirals where we create stories as to why we did the thing we did. 
why we acted out in the way we did. We can give ourselves a million justifications for our behavior and we can try to live in that new story about ourselves, but it's very important to recognize when that's happening. So my advice is to give yourself this compassion, forgiveness, and understanding in a way that literally labels it. So I used to write in a journal all the time, affirmations about forgiving myself, about being okay with um, who I was at a certain time in my life, with really giving myself compassion for the behaviors that I had been acting out with. And I would just write down, I love you, I see you, and I have compassion for you. And often that wasn't very true. Sometimes I would cry during meditation. Sometimes I would cry after meditation. Sometimes thoughts about it would come up later that same day. And I would just think, how could I have been such a bad person? But when we start labeling things good and bad, that's when we are really going into the ego. And we went into meditation to bypass the ego, right? To get out of the ego mind and into a more spiritual mindset. And it's very important to remember that we're human. So sometimes when I get into good and bad, I will just say, no, I'm just human. That person was just human. And what I also find so important is to give yourself understanding, compassion, and leeway for growth. So all growth is about kind of making mistakes. Um, it's about learning, right? So we can't actually learn something without learning about it. And a lot of times as it relates to relationships and simply being in the world, the way that we learn is by acting in a way that doesn't work. And a lot of the ways that we act that don't work are highly defensive and protective measures. They are things that are sometimes abusive toward those around us that are manipulative, that are angry, that kind of um, create guilt or culpability with others that isn't true because we are pushing our pain from life onto them. We're pushing whatever experiences we've been through, whatever pain we've lived through onto them so that it does not weigh us down as much. But what's really happening is it's weighing us down even more because it's often destroying our lives. We're projecting our pain onto people that we love generally, to family members, to partners. And that pain then begins to compound and grow into a greater pain that's no longer just physical or that's no longer from a past event, but is now very present because we have done or said things that we can't take back, that we can't change and that we can only live with, that we can only grow through, and that we can only seek to heal in whatever way it takes. And it's meditation that opens the door to all of that. I just want to add one more note to this part. And what I want to say is sometimes there are things in meditation or in personal practices that will come up that are literally too difficult to face. I'm not talking about remembering when you were a jerk five years ago. I am talking about things like traumatic experiences, 
really extremely difficult relationships or emotions that you need deeper support to process, that is when you need to see a therapist. That is when you need to see someone like me. That is when you need to have friendship or family or some outside stability that is supporting you. Because if your practice is triggering you into a state in your nervous system that is not something that you can live with, that is not healthy, that is not calm enough for you to deal with on your own, then that is something that you must put to the side and get further assistance with. It is not something to power through. It is not something to get through. And I have shared the roots of my meditation practice with you all. And if you'll remember from my first episode of this podcast, I stated that my practice was 45 minutes to an hour long for over a year and a half. And this practice was very difficult at certain times because I've had a lot of physical trauma. I've had some relationship and partner trauma, and I've even been the person on the other side of that who has really inflicted a lot of damage from within a relationship. And so I was living through and processing these things, but my practice generally was developing within a very supportive environment. And what I mean by that is that I lived in a space with someone who cared about me. And I was in a school program in my acupuncture school where I had a plethora of people to lean on, to talk to, to process with. I could go to our school clinic and get treatments. I worked at our clinic. So I was always in this kind of calm, supportive environment. And so I had so much support around me And still, it was very hard to face these things. But I was not in a space where I lacked support. And I still don't think I had enough support, which is just wild to me to even think because I had so much. But there are so many levels of support and you have to decide what it is you need. You have to decide if you need someone like me, a healer. You have to decide if you need a talk therapist. You have to decide if what you need is actually an EMDR therapist and that talk therapy is not for you. You have to decide if what you need most is to stay away from certain memories or traumas for a little while while you find the exact right person that will help you. Or maybe you can't even face them until you have a romantic relationship or until you can patch things up with one of your parents. There are so many different forms of support and the kind that you need is going to be specific to you. I hope that this long chat about meditation was supportive. I hope that you found something in it that will help you to realize why and how you can come into a meditation practice with fewer expectations and with a much more prepared sense of it all.
As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I do have a sweet little course that is almost completely videos, just me chatting at you about what to do and how to approach meditation in a very concise amount of time. I think they add up to 30 minutes of listening, maybe. And it's very personal. It's just like me sitting on Instagram, chatting at you guys about meditation. And I put a lot of things in there, especially in the written sections that will just help you to ground into what is best for you to begin. What is best for you to start a practice like this, to start thinking about what it would mean for you to sit still every day and to give yourself that space. You can work with me in my private sessions at www.teraalexandria.com. Thank you so much again for listening today, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.